0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Lauren Rublin, Senior Managing Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today to learn about the week ahead in the markets. I'm on the line with Barron's Deputy Editor, Ben Levison, and we'll be looking at some of the biggest companies reporting fourth quarter earnings this week and at the economic calendar, which is pretty packed. We're also going to be trying something new today. Ben will be posting some charts and graphs to give you a literal picture of some of the trends he'll be discussing. We hope you enjoy them and we hope you enjoy following along. So with that Ben, let's dive in. Thanks, Lauren. I want to start with the market, which had a really splendid month in January. Notwithstanding today's selling, as of Friday night, the S&P 500 was up 6% for the year and the Nasdaq was down Uh, excuse me, was up 11%. Both of them were down, of course, very sharply last year. But more to the point, last year's losers are suddenly this year's winners, especially among tech stocks and other growth stocks. What do you make of this reversal, and do you think it's going to last?
1: Uh, I wish if I had the answer to that, I'd be a very, very rich man, um, <laughs> but I can discuss what's going on. Um,
0: okay.
1: My favorite uh, way of looking at this right now is actually to look away from the NASDAQ and the S&P and even the Dow Jones, which has underperformed uh, both of them so far this year, and look at uh, two different ETFs. One is the Invesco S&P 500 high beta ETF, and the other is the same company's low volatility etf basically it's the etfs that have the 100 most volatile stocks in the s&p 500 and the 100 least volatile so risky stocks versus safe stocks and if you look at how they're performing this year it's incredible those risky stocks in the high beta etf are up almost 15% so far this year while the low beta stocks the low volatility stocks are down just uh, are down 0.8% they haven't gone anywhere so what does um, this
0: tell you? What's what's happening? Why?
1: Well, I mean this is honestly what you will see at when the market is ending a bear market. But you also see this at the point where people are starting to bet that the bear market is over, but it's not really. So as I said, I don't have a great answer for this right now. I have what I think is happening. I think what's going on is that, you know, we've heard a lot about all the tax loss selling that happened at the end of uh 2022 um you know people dumped all these stocks that were risky that were losing money um that had you know the stocks had dropped incredible amounts and now they're buying them all back and so when you look at the stocks that have had the um the best year so far You know, it's these things that were really terrible last year. Airlines are doing great stocks like Warner Brothers Discovery and Paramount, which had really awful years. People were you know, just worried that they have too much debt and they're going to lose out to the streaming companies. Won't make the transition away from TV to um, to streaming. Um, You know, those stocks got hit really hard. And this year they're among the best performers out there. So I think a lot of it is just people buying what the biggest losers from last year and selling some of the biggest winners which were these safe stocks to um uh, to, to have the money to buy those losers um but it's also sending this mixed signals are we going to get a um a bigger rally from here um and i wouldn't be surprised if we do but i also um and this is going to sound terrible but i also don't think the bear market is over um there's two people now who've laid out a case one is uh, barry banister one at uh, Stiefel, the other is Binky Chadra at um, at Deutsche Bank. And they've laid out the scenario where you get this nice rally at the beginning of the of this year. Um, as people start to feel like, okay, the Fed's going to stop raising rates. It's going to pivot. Um, the, the economic data is going to come in okay. Earnings will come in okay. And you get a nice rally. But then by the middle of the year, we'll see that there actually is a recession coming. And that's going to knock the stock market down again. And I think that's a fairly decent prediction of how the year will go.
0: Well, we're only in January, so we've got a long way to go, but it sounds reasonable to me. One thing I wonder is whether we had enough of a capitulation last year in the sell-off and kind of doesn't seem it, does it? No, I don't
1: think so. Um, you know, the it, it felt a lot like, um, you know, people kept wanting to buy these stocks. Um, I know if you think back to the, the dot-com bust. And you saw this, too, where the stocks would bounce, people would would start getting excited that the the route was over um, and then the selling would start again. And it wasn't really till everyone was just convinced that they could never buy these stocks again, that, um, you know, they that the market really was able to recover. Um, I'm not sure we have to get to that point, but. You know, we, we look at big tech and they got hit pretty hard last year, especially companies like like Meta. But Apple held up pretty decently. Microsoft held up pretty decently. And I, I think that that's a sign that people haven't capitulated yet um, and that there there does need to be more uh, downside in some of the markets, bigger stocks.
0: Well, they certainly did in some of those no profit stocks, but they not don't. not in the big stocks. So you mentioned the Fed and that's where I want to go next. The Fed will take center stage this week. It's got its first policy meeting of the new year on Wednesday, it concludes. Fed is expected to raise rates by a quarter of a percentage point this time, lifting the federal funds rate to as high as 4.75%. And Fed Chair Jay Powell is expected to stay hawkish at the press conference that follows the meeting. Even though inflation is cooling and consumer consumer demand seems to be ebbing at last, do you expect any surprises from the meeting? or from the post press conference, the post-meeting press conference? What are you going to be listening for?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly don't think there'll be that many surprises. I'd be shocked, I guess, if the Fed went ahead and raised rates by more than a quarter of a point. Um, the whole market would be. Um, the CME has a great uh, tool called uh, the Watch. Um, that it gives you kind of the probabilities of, uh, different, uh, uh, rate settings after a fed meeting. Um, and right now about 98%, um, there's a 98% chance that, uh, we get that quarter point hike, uh, you know, 1.9% that you get uh, half a point. So I'd be very surprised if that happens. And I think I'd be very surprised if, uh, If Powell didn't sound hawkish, um, all the Fed speakers have been sounding hawkish. Um, You know, they I think they want to convince this market not to get uh, get over exuberant, I think would Mm be the best way to put it. Um, One thing to remember is that the Fed wants financial conditions to stay tight. And part of that comes from, the, uh, from from rate hikes, but it also comes from things like credit spreads, the difference between what companies can borrow at and where um, the treasury rates are, um, and even the stock market itself. Um, so when you have the stock market going up as much as it has, and you have credit spreads narrowing as much as they have, conditions are getting easier. Um, and I, I think that has to, to worry the Fed. So I think that uh, Powell will be talking about this, that, you know, still worried about inflation, still worried that it is not um, coming down enough uh, or not. That's not coming down enough, but there's still so much. Uh, the, the economy is too strong to bring it uh, down to the target. Um, I think people are excited that it's coming down. But the, the question is, where where does that stop and where, you know, where does it level off? Um, and I think that's what's going to be Warren Powell. So I think he's going to be, be hawkish. I'm just not sure the market's going to listen to him, especially if uh, it continues to sell off the way it is today. You see the NASDAQ, I think, is down around 1.2 percent. Um, people are you know taking profits ahead of the Fed. Um, and if they do enough of that, you could, you know, the, 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 the Fed could say whatever they say and the market could still bounce.
0: That's right. Afterward, I tend to think of exuberant as a technical term these days. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, there's one piece of data that the Fed will not have when it makes its decision this week, and that's the January payrolls report, together with the unemployment rate, of course. It can't wait for these numbers to set policy, but they are very important, and they'll be closely watched on Wall Street for signs that the labor market is indeed softening. So what is the consensus forecast at the moment on jobs and the unemployment rate, and what does it mean?
1: Well, payrolls are supposed to fall to 190,000 uh, in January. That would be down from 223,000. And the unemployment rate is supposed to tick up slightly to 3.6%, and that would be up from 3.5. Um, you know, they're they're both slowing down, but it's an open question whether they're slowing down enough for the Fed. Um, the Fed is really worried, I think, more than anything um, about um about the labor market uh, more than any other metric, really. Um, Andrew Berry, one of uh, our great reporters, um, pointed out to to me on Friday that uh, there's actually kind of, you know, we we all talked about the PCE that came out and how the core PCE um, is is the number that the Fed watches instead of CPI for inflation. Um, But Andrew pointed out that in a speech uh, back in November, um, that the Fed is actually looking at something Uh, slightly, like, even more specific than that. Um, He wants, the Powell wants to see core services, PCE, less housing uh, start to fall. Um, Which makes
0: perfectly good sense.
1: It does. I mean, we know that uh, goods prices are falling. Um, One of the things we could talk about a little more with earnings is that, um, you know, the the, um, supply chain problems that were such an issue are um are really they don't seem to be much of a problem anymore you don't have the kind of shortages that you did that help drive infl- inflation of goods up and some companies are actually talking about um having a better combination they're paying less for their their inputs and able to charge more for their for what they're selling and that's and that's good um the problem is on the services side and it's and certainly on the services Without housing, housing we know has really uh, fallen on, I think, pretty hard times if you're a home builder. Um, just sales have really fallen off. Um, mortgage rates are so much higher. So it's really this core services PCE. And the thing that drives that is um, the labor market. Um, it, it's really having to pay those people to, to provide the services. Um, and so I think that all these numbers that we're going to get this week from payrolls, um, we're going to get the employment cost index, um, on, um, t- on Tuesday that, uh, tells you what basically wages were for the last three months of the year. And
0: we'll be covering that. We'll, we'll be, be covering, covering all it.
1: of it. We'll be covering all of it here on Barron's. Um, you know, that's supposed to drop a little bit. 1.1 is expected. That'd be down from 1.2% in the third quarter. Benny there. Yes, I'm here. Can you not hear me? Can okay. you hear me?
0: Yes. Loud and uh, clear.
1: Great. Um, now
0: I can. Yeah.
1: So, you know, we're going to get all these job readings and they're all going in the right direction again. They're all slowing. But are they slowing enough to really keep um, keep get to help keep prices in check and heading down toward the Fed's uh, 2 percent target? Um, And I I think that's what we're going to be listening to Powell on. And um, it it will be it's it's the one thing everybody should be focusing on is, is the labor market statistics.
0: Right. So we will cover those too soon for powell to talk on wednesday but you better believe the fed will be watching them too
1: and i wouldn't be surprised if they have some kind of sneak preview but don't quote me on that
0: (laughs) okay we won't so now let's take a look at earnings we've got quarterly earnings reports coming this week from some of the biggest companies in the market so far fourth quarter results have been disappointing how bad do things look out there they look pretty bad
1: um You know, if you look at uh, where earnings are headed right now, they they look like they're going to drop 3% for the quarter, uh, year over year. And then if you take out energy, they're going to drop 7.1% if you take out the energy sector. Um, So that's a lot of slowing earnings growth. Um, You're having companies now, companies always beat but they're beating um, by just 1.6% above expectations. Um, And that compares to a long-term average of 4.1%, but also over the last four quarters, that average was 5.3%. So that's way down. Um, And then you have uh, 67.4% are beating. That's slightly above that long-term average of 66%, but it's well below the 76% that beat over the last four quarters. So there's a lot of slowing in earnings um, this, uh, this quarter. Um, what's interesting is that the, uh, the market isn't having a problem with any of that. Um, th- there's, uh, I think the, the stocks are averaging about a 0.84% daily price increase according to Barry Knapp.
0: Honestly, it's a what me worrying market.
1: <laughs> it really is. I mean, the markets, we, we always talk about this. The markets are forward-looking. And so what companies are telling us is backwards looking.
0: Backward. Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, we I think we knew coming into this quarter that earnings were not going to be good. Um, it's it's not a shock to anyone. Um, and so even companies that are um, disappointing are probably holding up uh, better um, than you would expect, especially if they're stocks that have been down a lot that were down a lot in 2022. Um, you know, it really lowered the bar. So we saw with uh, Microsoft, uh, even if Microsoft's guidance wasn't great. Uh, when it reported last week, uh, the stock dropped um, at the start of the day, I think it was down about 4%, but finished pretty close to flat. Um, and then it went up from there um, The next over the next couple of days. And, and so I think uh, investors really are looking ahead. They're looking ahead to this Fed pivot um they're looking ahead to the possibility that uh we're past the worst of the uh the, the fed impact that the the slowing growth that came of that um, we're past the worst of inflation and that companies are going to start uh, doing better and as i mentioned before with industrials um if the the inputs are falling and they're not losing pricing power, then, you know, margins could actually get better in companies like, uh, this is NAP again, talking about um, uh, industrials, uh, consumer discretionary and in energy. Um, So you can actually see, um, you know, everyone's talking about margins declining this year, but in some places you could see margins get better. Um, And so I think that's what the market is right now looking ahead to.
0: All right, before we get into some specific companies, you mentioned the word pivot, which reminded me we had a question from Brad and I I want to pose it now before I forget. He asks why does the market expect the Fed to drop rates later this year? That would be the pivot, rather than maintain them at what seems to be a historically mean level with positive real interest rates.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um the only and it it leads me to a spot where there seems to be some sort of contradiction in place um that the you know the, the reason that the fed would need to cut rates is because it sees growth starting to slow too much and that shouldn't be good for the market um and it actually for the last two i mean if we don't talk about covid um the covid recession though i guess you know if we talk about covid then two of the last three recessions what you had was the fed start cutting and the worst came um after that um that was in um you know the great financial crisis where i think the fed was actually uh, stopped hiking in 2006 was cutting by 2007 and we still didn't have a bottom until 2009 and uh, something similar happened uh, around the time of the dot-com um boom and And um, I mean, I think that's that's what throws me off, is that like, why would the Fed? It said that it wants to keep rates high. Um, You know, it doesn't want to it really isn't looking at the stock market. It's worried about the economy and it doesn't want a big recession. But it needs to know that inflation is um, is under control. And the only reason I could see the Fed um, going from hikes um, right now to cutting in, I think,
0: losing you, Ben.
1: To, to cutting in July when I think, Hello? Can you, yeah, can you hear me? I'm still here talking.
0: Yeah, now um, I can. So the,
1: okay, the, only, the only reason I can think of the Fed, uh, you know, wanting to go from hiking rates now to cutting by, say, July, which is when it looks like the market is pricing it, would be because there's a recession and that can't be good for the market either. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's, there's another reason. Um, I, I just don't see it.
0: All right. It certainly is the question of the year. Now now I've left you 10 minutes to go through some of the earnings of some of the biggest companies that ever existed. We'll do some so, speed rounds, right? <laughs> right. We're going to do some speed rounds. Absolutely. Let's start with General Motors and Ford. We forget that there are two giant car companies in the U.S. because we spend so much time talking about Tesla. But GM's reporting Tuesday, Ford's reporting Thursday. What's on tap?
1: Well, we're going to get um, GM first. That'll be on um, Tuesday, I believe. And it will be, um, you know, they had a terrible, terrible year and um, last year. And I'm trying to show a chart now. If this is working, great. If not, I, I apologize. Um, you know, they were down over the last year. They've been down almost 25%. Um, they've had a great start to this year, though, uh, up 12.8%. Um, and they still down about 2.3 over the last three months. Um, the good news for them is that earnings are supposed to be growing. They're going, uh, they're, they're supposed to report a profit of $1.69. That'd be up from $1.35. And their sales are supposed to come in around $40 billion. And that'd be up from $33.6 um, But really what everyone is looking ahead to is kind of, um, you know, how production is going to hold up how pricing is going to hold up given what's what's happening. I mean, car prices shot up uh, during uh, the COVID uh, years because there was a shortage of of cars. We've seen used prices come down. So we're going to want to listen to that as well. And I I think the question in my mind is really how does the market weigh um, both this year to date gain of almost 13 percent versus a a gain that is um, uh, versus this three-month gain, where the stock is actually down a little bit um, since it last reported, um, and so I could see it doing um, doing pretty well um, if uh, if the numbers are you know coming um, if if they do manage to beat, which they probably will. So I think there's still some more upside here in GM.
0: What about Ford?
1: Uh, Ford, um, you know they're kind of in the, they're in a very similar. Um, they're in a very similar position. I'm going to put up a Ford chart here. And hey, in, in the comments, if this is not helpful, um, let me know um, that, you know, I'm, I'm putting these charts up. Um, I like to look at them because it sort of gives me a sense of where the stock has been. This is a one-year chart. Um, you know, Ford is uh, very much in the, uh, in the same position as, you um, as GM, it's uh, you know it's flat over the last three months. It's had a great uh, start to this year. Um, it is it had a very bad uh, 2022. Um, they're supposed to report a profit of 62 cents. Again, a big jump from the previous year when they had 26 cents, um, and their sales are supposed to rise. And you know, J.P. Morgan was commenting on this and they said that, you know, they're going to see they, they expect solid profits, even if it comes in a little bit lighter than the street and that their production is going to be better and that they've had strong U.S. pricing. Um, and so we're hearing the same things again. It's all about production and its pricing and how those two things meet. We also had this today. We had Ford, speaking of pricing, uh, say that they're going to cut prices of the uh, Mach-E, um, their their electric uh, um their, their electric car. And, um, you know, this is really in a response to Tesla um, as they try to, to, to sell all these electric vehicles. And it'll be interesting to hear on the call what they say about the impact of those price cuts um, if they end up with more demand um, because of it. But again, these numbers are for them are pretty small. I think their target is to make one hundred and thirty thousand Mach-E's in uh, um, this coming year, which is uh, pretty small compared to Tesla, which uh, makes a heck of a lot more.
0: So both of these stocks are trading for single digit price earnings multiples. <laughs> they really are, are. They're always very cheap, but it's as though the market has completely given up on them. Well, I, I think
1: it's, you know, it's not that they've given up. It's just you have to know that, it, it, you know, if you're expecting um, PE um, expansion on the, on these stocks. You better be buying it when it's uh, at the low, you know, in the lower end of that single digit range uh, rather than at the the high end, because um, this is just where they trade um, as as Al says, um, you know, these stocks really haven't been growing for a very long time. Um, and, you know, that's, you get a low PE when you're not a growth company uh, or when there's not much growth. You don't even have to be a, a growth company like we think of these you know, fast growing, um, hyper growth, lottery ticket kind of things. But you just need to grow. And the automakers have not really been uh, growth. have not been growing for years. And so that's the hope with EVs is that it allows them to. Um, to start growing again, it has. You're not only selling cars, but you're selling software. You have this other re- revenue that's coming in off of them, and maybe you can start earning a higher PE than than you have for a very long time. But really, that you know, even at the beginning of 2022, these stocks traded at you know GM was around eight and a half, nine times earnings. Now it's at around six point six five. I think it's gotten as low as five. And you know, if you if you're if PE is part of your argument, you want to be buying it when it's trading at five times.
0: Right. Right. That's a good point. All right, now let's do a whistle-stop tour of big tech. We're going to have a lot of earnings announcements this week. These companies overhired. Many of them are laying off workers. Regulators are homing in on the industry, and some of them even have chat GPT to worry about now. So how bad was the fourth quarter, or how good was the fourth quarter, and what lies ahead? Why don't we start with Meta?
1: Uh, well meta is the one that got hit the hardest in um 2022 and, and for very good reason um the company um went uh, uh you know the company just keeps spending on the metaverse um it has no real plans to start making money off of off of the metaverse um it, its costs are just way too high and it didn't seem to be listening to in, investors on this um the, the amazing thing about Uh, the stock, I would have said this thing was a buy uh, about, you know, three months ago. Um, You know, it's down, uh, you know, but it's gained 53% in the last, uh, um, in in the last three months. It's up 26% this year to date. And I think that raises the bar pretty high, especially for a company that is uh, expected to report a profit of $2.26. That's down from $3.67. Its sales are going to be lower as well. Um, there's a lot of bullishness on the street though, at this point, um, you know, people are saying that the ad winter is sufficiently baked in that's from Evercore. Um, they're starting to see things get better and that, uh, earnings and sales should start turning up um and you know evercore says that they like meta into the print i just worry about it um i'm not sure it's possible to see on the chart but the, the stock you know broke its uh, 50-day moving average um, um a bit ago and now it's running right into its 200-day moving average so it's a very interesting spot for the company but i think they have to have some really good earnings and more than the earnings i think um you have to hear mark zuckerberg talk about reining in some of the spending or at least have um, an idea of how he's going to make money off of the metaverse
0: Fair enough. I like these charts. Even I'm taking a look at them. So, all right, let's move on to Alphabet.
1: All right. So Alphabet, um, it's not it's had a great start to the year as well. It's up 13 percent. It's uh, down about 25 percent over the last 12 months. So it never got hit as hard as um, as Meta. but it, it got hit. Um, it, too, is facing uh, slowing earnings. Um, it's supposed to report a profit of $1. eighteen. That would be down from $1.53. Um, and with them, I mean, I think the the big thing hanging over it is also this. It's, it's not only the slowing earnings, but now you have this this regu- regulatory overhang um, that uh, really has um, started to weigh, I think, on the stock. And I, the fear has to be that it. Um, that you end up with a company that you know sort of ends up like you know like microsoft did um during the um you know when it was going through its uh regulatory um hurdles and so um you know they end up uh just being dead money for a while i know andrew uh, barry picked uh um, alphabet as one of his favorite stocks for the year Um, And, you know, you never want to go against Andrew. But I I think we do have to see how much are they going to be able to cut costs? Um, How much are they cutting spending as some of these uh, things that they were just spending tons of money on? And this is a common theme now, isn't it? Um, And uh, where's the growth going to come from and how limited are they going to be by the government?
0: So all good points. Um, Let's move on to Apple because we're running out of time and everyone's interested in Apple.
1: Yeah, Apple's the one I keep waiting to drop. Uh, to see drop. It's uh, just um, amazing to me that uh, it has held up as, as well as it has given everything. Um, you know, it's, it's so much more expensive than it used to be. Um, the, the stock was once, you know, it was cheap and you used to have value investors talking about it. Um, you know, people didn't believe the iPhone. They didn't believe the, uh, the services side of the, that, that, the argument about services. Um, and so Apple was once, you know, trading just, I think it was just a little bit above, uh, you know, 10 times earnings or, or so. Um, but that's something
0: with Ford and GM, right?
1: Yeah, It wasn't quite that bad, but (laughs)
0: you
1: you, you could have gotten it in, uh, you know, 2019 for, you know, if I, my chart is right for about 10 times earnings, um. And then it shot up to over thirty um, in 2020, and it still trades around 23 times. So that's that's Apple's starting point, and I think that that is a um, that, that's that's a high bar um, in, in in the next. I, I think for for this year, coming into the um, into the print though. You no, know, they have not done. They didn't do nearly as bad as a lot of companies last year. They've dropped uh, 14% over the last 12 months. The last three months, they haven't rallied the same way as others. It's down 6.3%, and year-to-date, it, it's up 12%, which is you know it's big, but not as big as some others. Um, But it is coming into um, some resistance here, again, with both the 200-day moving average, but also just a a top at these levels. And so I think it's one where you just have to be careful because there are a lot of headwinds here. Um, Wells Fargo, for one, is worried. They were saying that uh, there are signs of increasing consumer demand weakness. Um, They said that... uh, they're um, they're worried about both the, the quarter itself, but they're also worried about uh, growth, the, the, the growth for the rest of the year not being as strong as the street uh, expects. The funny thing is they still rate the stock overweight, but they are worried about the stock into the print, I think, for good reason.
0: All right. Sometimes sometimes what analysts say and what they rate stocks don't quite correspond.
1: It's very true.
0: And we know that. Let's spend a moment talking about energy. Exxon is reporting this week, (coughs) excuse me, as is ConocoPhillips. Energy was the best performing sector last year. How should investors think about it this year?
1: Well, I think it depends who you ask. Um, Ask Andrew and he thinks they're worth shorting. Um, You know, he, uh, he worries that they just had a, you know, too good a year, that oil prices, if they, you know, their their earnings are going to come down, we have Exxon coming out on Tuesday, um, you know, their earnings are going up to, they're going to print 329, which would be up from 205. But a year from now, that number will, will almost certainly be lower just because uh, oil prices are likely to be lower. Um, but I also think when you look at, um, especially with Conoco, when you look at how they've been trading, like Conoco really hasn't. You know, people talk about this great year for the for the oil stocks. You look at Conoco; it was basically going um, sideways for uh, a big chunk of the year. It had a big rally, um, but uh, it's it, you know sort of settled in um, and later the, half of the year where it just went up and down and up and down and kind of finished in the middle of that range. And I and I think they're that sideways trading can be good um, for these energy stocks. Um, it gives them a chance to catch up, and we have to remember that people really hated energy stocks. Um, uh, you know, when when oil went negative in uh, in 2020, that was like the lowest point for energy. We all should have been buying uh, oil stocks then. Um, but even with the gains that they've had, they're still a very small part of the S&P 500. And so I think with a lot of these, you know, they can there's still more upside there. I don't think it's going to be like what we've seen, uh, but there's still uh, room just based on the fact that they are, you know, returning. They're so much uh, more careful with how they spend. They're returning money to, to shareholders. Um, and I think they're they're starting to change the conversation of what kind of stocks they are and who can own them.
0: Right. I think that's a fair point. I think last year's gains in the stocks really took people by surprise. Very much so. So worth paying attention to. We have a couple of questions I wanted to um, pose to you. We First, we have a question from Akira, who wants to know if you can share the symbols of the Invesco funds that you referenced earlier in the call, the volatile stocks and the less volatile stocks. What are the tickers? Sure.
1: It's SPHB. So Sam, Paul, Harry, Boy. And then... SPLV so Sam Paul Larry Victor
0: and one is high volatility the other is low volatility
1: yeah one is high beta which is actually okay. the same thing um as volatility and the other is low volatility
0: okay Akira had another question stagflation or recession what do you see ahead for the rest of the year um
1: I, I I'm in the recession camp um they, I, I just look at the, the indicators. Um, again, it was from this Deutsche Bank report, I think made the, made the point very well that it's not just one indicator that's screaming recession, it's just everything. Um, it, it's just taking longer. Um, I think this is a very odd, um, it, it's a very odd cycle, which is also why if I might be, I very well might be wrong, but you do have all these things that are just saying recession. Um, but I actually don't see it being, um, you know, I don't see it being a crisis, um, if you will. You know, the, the we're we're so used to these crises. We're like with COVID, it was like the economy shut down. Uh, with the financial crisis, it looked like our um, whole financial system was going to um, it was going to evaporate. Um, then you had the, the dot com um, bus before that, where you, it's just a massive market bubble. Um, and I and I think this will be more like a run of a, the mill recession. Um, I think this stagflation concerns um, that were really um, dominated things uh during the early part of the 2000s uh you know for the first 20 years of 2000s maybe um are, are going to be put behind us i, I think we'll have uh, a more inflationary world which uh may be a good thing um a more normal world than than we were used to for that certainly in the post-financial crisis where money was free and uh it, it was just a very different time than any of us had really lived through before
0: that Quite an aberration, although it didn't seem it at the time.
1: No, we just live in our
0: lives. So exactly. All right. Ian asks about the labor market. If it's structurally short, two million job seekers. What are your thoughts about wages creeping up?
1: Ah, uh, I wish I was better on the jobs data. Because um, there's there's if if you listen to economists, there are a lot of people who think that the JOLTS number might overstate things somewhat. Um, but I do think that overall, you know, what keeps economies growing is having a growing population. It has to either there happen by births or by immigration. And so, I think one of the things that Corporate America would like, you, let's let's find a better way to bring workers here to the United States. If we have a shortfall, um, it, it would it, they could plug that shortfall. Um, but that I'm going to just say is probably above my pay grade.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly a long-term problem that we're not going to solve this morning. At all. Very so true. let's close on um, a somewhat nerdy note, the sort of note we like, and talk about M2, that's money supply. And as one of our reporters, Karishma Vanjani has been reporting, M2 has been slowing over the last two years. Why is that important and what is it telling us?
1: Um, so, you know, that's M2 is, the, is basically money supply. It's all that cash that uh, people have sitting in bank accounts and, you know, variations on bank accounts that they can go spend. Um, and Christian wrote this this great article um, about how uh, the growth of M2, um, it actually, um, the year over the year number slowed for, um, went negative for the, it shrunk for the first time on record, which goes back to about I think, 1959. Um which was which kind of shocking. Um, you know, we'd never seen that happen. And so you have two camps on this now. Um, one camp is saying, well, this is a sign that the Fed has done enough. It's time to start uh, um, pulling back because the money supply is now sh- shrinking. Um, but you have others who say not so fast that even with the the, 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 the slowing and then the the, the, the slight uh, decrease, that it's still well above where it was uh, pre-pandemic um well above trend and that that means that the fed still needs to um to keep doing what it's doing and it's one of these economic arguments you know i i kind of love because there's no really easy answer to it except to just wait and see um what happens um and, and how how it plays out um but uh it's uh, it's it's an interesting argument because it's um, you know it's, I think this is the, the dilemma that we we all have now is you know how much of what occurred post COVID is um, is real how much needs to be pulled back and where is that real level of trend growth um, that is going to be you know right for the economy have manageable inflation etc. So it's just one of these metrics that I love to watch. And I'm glad Karishma spotted that because I sure didn't.
0: We haven't talked about it in a big way in years. So it's kind of funny that it's surfacing again.
1: It used to be one of those things that uh, everybody followed very closely.
0: Right. It it was an obsession like the CPI is now. So interesting. All right. I can't resist posing Lee's question to you before we sign off. Should you buy stocks now or wait? He wants to know what's your opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, I also see that he complimented me on on last year. <laughs> last, last year in some ways was an easy one just because you you went into it with valuations so extreme um that just trying to think about risk um it was a lot more it was it, it was it was pretty I don't want to say it was simple but like you could the odds were that something was going to happen. I surely didn't see that what happened, what ended up did happening was going to happen because it was a wild year. Um, but sometimes, you know, you get lucky. Um, you look at your indicators and you get the call right. This year is, is much, much more difficult. Um, I, you know, I, I think that it's the kind of year where, you know, you're going to want to, I think you want to go where people aren't going. So one of the things I said on, uh, on the Barron's Roundtable TV show on Friday, one of the, the stocks I mentioned was um, General Mills. General Mills is one of those low volatility stocks, um, and it's fallen about 10%, I think, to start the year. There's you know concerns about um, some slowness in their pet food business um, and other things, but Really, I'd be looking at the stocks that you know get beaten up um, that maybe because uh, now everybody's getting excited. There'll be a point where we get pullbacks and that's maybe where you want to jump in and pick up some of those growth stocks that maybe have rallied too much to start the year. Um, but I think it's just going to be a more, comp- uh, more complicated year than it was last year that makes buy stocks now or wait um, a, a tough call. Um, I know that's not a great answer. Um, I'm going to stick with my idea. I think we can get some more upside from here um, on this market. But I do think we get a pullback uh, by by mid-year.
0: All right. We're going to have plenty of time to test you on this. So, Lee, thanks for the question. Ben, thanks for a, a game attempt at an answer. And thank you to everyone for tuning in today. We really appreciate it. Tomorrow on Barron's Live, the subject is Bitcoin. Bitcoin and other cryptos have staged a comeback. Will it last? Please join Barron's Managing Editor, Darren Fonda, and Nita analyst John Todaro, for a discussion on crypto's future. Ben, thank you again for your commentary and your charts. Okay, thank you to our listeners. Stay well, everyone, and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.